Live and learn. Live and learn. Season six. It's all around uh, living and learning together and uh, getting inspired. Whenever you think it is appropriate for you to see the depths of growth mindset, the depths of live and learn philosophy, just join and enjoy. So welcome to our season six, live and learn with us. Live and learn. What a beautiful morning. I am super happy to see finally a little piece of blue skies under under why under over berlin hi hello how are you <laughs> that's a great beginning because uh, also like we start uh, talking about something and then uh, we might use the wrong word under over near next to uh what was i going to say and the flow of conversation somehow is stopped because we're over worried about how correctly we speak right you, are you noticing this Yeah, of course. Uh, the more actually I notice it when I, um, for example, get interviewed or when I get recorded. Uh, for example, last week there was a big interview that I was invited to talk. Uh, that was about the human-centric presentations. It is in Ukrainian. But I, first of all, I, I didn't speak Ukrainian for record for like, what, three years now, I guess? Three and a half. So for me, that was already a surprise. And the second thing is that I watched the recording again and I saw myself having this flow of thought trying to get the words which uh, I get quite rusty about, right? So, well, okay, I, I can be over uh, subjective here because I know how I speak uh, Ukrainian and I know that this is like my one of my degrees is about this, but I just felt that I didn't speak for quite a while. And of course, I I expected or I wanted or I would prefer hear myself speaking uh, in a more fluent way. So yeah, I, I think uh, when we watch the recordings, when we watch ourselves speaking, so then it's like so meta, you know, when we try to analyze how we speak. There are, of course, those words that you're looking for. They need time to come to, to, to the head, right? Because we need that eight seconds before we, we have the thought and uh, when we're actually formulating it. So from all the realm of what I want to say, I need to grasp all the necessary units that are available at this time. <laughs> So I think that, uh, yeah, we can try to speak about it a little bit. What do you feel? Absolutely. Uh, I uh, heard a talk of uh, an Italian philosopher and popularizer of uh, philosophy in the Italian community who, speaking about um, inclusive language, actually mentioned, well, guys, language is exclusive by nature. When we choose some words to use, we choose not to use all the rest of the vocabulary. Language by nature is exclusive and we're picking some vocabulary that uh, we prefer in this situation according to the style, the well, all of the 
uh, areas that um, we can be using language, be it written, spoken, etc., etc., academic environment, uh, interpersonal, uh, friendly relationships, whatever. And then we exclude automatically, consciously or not, we exclude all the other vocabulary units, ways of expression, we choose not to use much more than we choose to use. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we're not only excluding all the other all, all the other units, but also we are taking the ones that are the most used, right? So those that we use the most frequently, those that we get accustomed to, that those that we know, what I normally call it, like my personalized uh, vocabulary, right? So, uh, for example, uh, when we are talking about um, the phrases that you hear or see in a book uh, when you're studying, for example, some communicative skill. So there are some phrases written by the authors, right? They're their language, not yours when you're reading it. So I'm trying to formulate, so okay, could you try to paraphrase, could you try to make them your own so that you feel comfortable, whichever strategy it is, and you have, I don't know, several phrases that you want to say, so you need to choose those out of the range of the uh, provided vocabulary, phrases, units, whatever. So those that you feel that it would sound natural, that you are able to formulate them, remember them, and they would become a part of your own vocabulary. So, you know, this personalized choices. I think it's not only exclusive that we take those that we exclude, but also we prefer those which we've been using already. And yes, to make things even more extreme, we don't take a dictionary of any language and just pick the words that serve our thought to be expressed, but we use the ready-made phrases that we've heard uh, elsewhere, and uh, that's what the communicative approach of learning a foreign language is about, for example. Or that's the way uh, kids uh, acquire their first language. They don't have access to all the language. They only have access to the language their family uses. Then there are some uh, wonderful things that people can come across growing up that, for example, their friends don't know or don't use this word or use it in a different context. And that's how we rediscover the language, saying, ah, okay, well, so in this part of the country, they don't say this to express a given thought, or they use different words. And then we could talk more about dialects, about individual use of language, and so on. But um, coming back maybe to how critical we are about ourselves using some vocabulary. Yeah, I choose this word, but then I hear, "Mm, okay, well, in books or native speakers of a language that is foreign to me use different expressions, other expressions. Maybe I should work more on my language and then I criticize myself for the language I choose, for the words I choose, for the accent I have whatever it might be. Yeah, and when I started telling you that I was uh, watching my the recording of myself speaking, of course I'm super critical to what I see, what I say. So I was trying to see in an analytical way, so was my idea explicit, right? So was I able to formulate the thoughts 
on the go, right? So the spontaneous speaking so clearly so that the, the audience would uh, understand what I wanted to say. So it's quite rarely that um, we have this opportunity, right, to be so meta, to see ourselves from beyond. That's one more thing that I think we could as well try to formulate here is how difficult it is to listen to our own voice, right? So uh, why people are reluctant to do the recordings of their speaking as exercise, for example, even though I recommend trying this. So even if you don't like the, the way your, so- your your voice sounds, it's still a, um, like nobody does, <laughs> that's normal. <laughs> But also, this is a great exercise to try to see the way we formulate our sentences, our utterances, our uh, longer pieces of text, right? So, for example, when people get prepared to exam which has a specific structure, uh, well, that would be quite an informative way to sit and analyze. So, how clear are you making those paragraphs are they are paragraphs when you are speaking at, at all so this this might be an interesting thing to to discuss i think i would have uh, two comments here one is how much matter we go uh, recording and editing the podcast well i hated my own voice until <laughs> the time I had to edit and listen and re-listen to my own voice as well. So I developed this uh, skill to maybe ignore that it's my own voice, but rather approach uh, editing as uh, editing content and not uh, perceiving my own voice as uh, belonging to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, what helped me, I think was when you said you hated hearing your own voice. And I was like, hmm, okay, I don't mind. I like your voice. And I don't even think whether I particularly like it or not. I just listen to the ideas that you're trying to render clear to the audience. And I'm editing the content uh, thing, but uh, I have nothing against at all concerning how we sound. And then... I started using this we, so, well, I'm okay with how you sound. Why am I not about how I do? We're both in this together, and so I'm editing the content in two voices. Why am I then so critical to my own voice, and why do I even react to it? Yeah, so then... I just got used to it, uh, and uh, I think it helped. Uh, I can't say that uh, I hate my voice anymore. So it is therapeutic to an extent. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Another comment I would have here is about exam preparation. In many uh, student books for uh, exam preparation, there is this kind of a task. Listen to a student doing this task and assess according to some uh, parameters, factors, etc. So somehow the students are invited uh, to analyze somebody else's uh, production and not their own. Well, that is something that uh, most probably the teachers uh, are there for. But I also think that it has been historically formulated even before we all received a um, audio recorder in every mobile phone. 
The very idea that uh, people tend to be overcritical towards themselves because we we take things personally. That's the way the human nature is. So this take it for granted. And uh, sometimes we can be overcritical and not supportive to ourselves as well. So think of when you are when when the students are preparing, for example, for um, a presentation, and they get over emotional or over critical to the, to an extent they would prefer not to give an, a presentation than to actually practice it. Or for example, when people do not know what to assess it against and they say oh i forgot this word always sound uh, horrible and so on well not if you you have this chart as you mentioned uh which says by which criteria do you need to assess this time which should you do and so on i think that this this might be quite specifically formulated as the task to assess against this specific criteria so we're not talking about anything else but these four things. Could you analyze them? And maybe in you know in, in a couple of weeks another criteria is to take a look at something else. That would be and that is much much more helpful than you know listen to your recording and just analyze it. Well, against what? Yeah, analyze what and then if we notice uh, among those criteria there is never something like uh voice or accent. It's never a factor that uh, could be meaningful to analysis. And uh, that's never a factor that influences your efficiency uh, when you take an exam. So accent is not a problem. Voice is never an issue at all. Because even people who listen to you during the exam and have to assess uh, your speaking don't ever have this as a factor. And so maybe this should be brought to students' attention as well. Like what you don't like about your own uh, vocal performance is never an issue at an exam. You shouldn't be worried about this. You might hate your voice as much as you like, but it will never influence your performance at the exam. You know what? Not only at the exam, but but uh, those people who work in a uh, second language environment, people who go to uh, meetings and need to present their work, their routine, their reports, their information to the colleagues from uh, around the world, from international teams, they have the, the very same situation when they try to assess themselves against other people speaking in the room. And this is where I normally try to ask the question, why are you doing this? What kind of the quantitative data would it give to you to assess against others the way we speak? My point is that we all live in a very different environments. We've all put our own effort, our own dedication, our own time, our own curiosity, uh, our own finance to learn a language, right? A second language specifically. So why would we compare to somebody else if this is like an incomparable in the first place? And the second question here would be, when we're teaching the presentation skills, we normally as well try to formulate, so who were the 
I don't know, the best speakers, communicators uh, around the world. We're trying to uh, bring some diversity into those that list. And, um, you know, when I show Satya Nadell or I show the CEO of Google, uh, Pichai, when people see that they speak English as the second language and they are the CEO of Google and they are, you know, top uh, people around uh, their international teams perfectly well with the uh, accent, with their own time to, to find the word, with their own time to do. The question is what they're saying. The question is what they're bringing. What kind of value in business do they bring? What kind of interest do they bring? Do they inspire or not? That's a completely different thing than compare it to the voice pronunciation and uh, accent. Yeah, these are so minor things. And also, there is this meme, maybe you've seen that, what is uh, for an accent in English? It's a sign of bravery. I like this also for the reason, okay, English somehow is now lingua franca in the international world, in the world of international communication. It has not always been the case, first of all. The native speakers of English are now lucky to have their first language as the language of international communication, which does not make uh, people who use English as a second language or as a foreign language in international communication for international commerce, for uh, doing business internationally, etc. any worse. On the contrary, it uh, shows they have moved forward, taking another language, not their native one, as the language of their working environment, as the language to move forward, there should be this shift of uh, perspective and uh, appreciation of the fact that even if, uh, and especially because you speak a language with a foreign accent, it means that you have uh, put more effort into it compared to someone who speaks this language without a foreign accent. When I speak Russian or Ukrainian, I believe I don't have uh, any foreign accent in these languages just because I was lucky to grow in the environment where I learned these languages, acquired these languages sounding like I sound in them. Okay, then I acquired other languages with some peculiarities of my pronunciation. I don't even uh, call it accent. Like, what for? In Italy, there are 20 regions. In each of them, there is a special type of pronunciation. There is a famous uh, game, like a social game in all the parties when Italians from different parts of the country try to guess uh, where another person comes from, meaning the region. And it's never about having a foreign accent. It's about like playing this game. Oh, okay, I can hear you from that part because you pronounce this uh, with aspiration or something. And... Uh, it can be just uh, part of um, small talk. It can be part of getting to know each other, but it uh, should never be used against another person as, uh, as something that uh, takes value away. The same mm -hmm. with English. Yeah, we rarely think about uh, specific pronunciation issues in other languages, but uh, mostly in English and uh, yeah, just for the reason 
that we've mentioned before. It is the language that uh, is now used as the language of international communication. Okay, let's go back in history 200 years and let's all speak French. Let's see what uh, kind of accents... uh, today's um, icons would have in the lingua franca of those days. Let's wrap up what what we formulated. Take uh, courage, be brave. I think that um, by taking courage, uh, we take as well the role of uh, active doing, right? Of active performer. So that once we take courage to do something, we are having our own decision, our own right to say something, to formulate something, try to make sure that what you're saying is much more uh, carefully thought over than the uh, focus uh, one might put on on their accent. The second thing, if you want to self-assess your speaking or listening, when you're listening to yourself recorded, asking a teacher, a coach, or a mentor who might... Uh, give you enough support and instead of like showing the mistakes also show not only the uh, negative or constructive feedback but also to formulate what is going well because this is what teachers are trained to do not only to focus on negative part but also to make sure that the effort and uh, something that worked out is also focused and the third thing uh, what i wanted to say is when we are trying to compare ourselves against other people one of the things that i learned for myself and this is my own lesson learned is that it's much better to compare yourself to yourself yesterday two weeks ago two months ago two years ago two decades ago and see how much time dedication inspiration curiosity money and uh, any other resources you've put already to progress and to be where you are today and that when we are talking about the right to say something this is our own inner right to formulate the thought that just takes the fear away when you understand of how much you've invested already to be here and to have the right to say something use your right to say something have your say be brave live and learn <laughs> live and learn Thank you for listening to this episode. If you share Live and Learn philosophy, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on all the major social media, comment and spread the word about this podcast so that more people could get their weekly portion of growth mindset content. Live and learn!